Good morning. Along with uh, Pastor Mike, I would like to welcome you to worship this morning as well. Um, you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to uh, Psalm 103. And as you're turning there, uh, just a little explanation of why Psalm uh, 103. Uh, if you're here for our Advent series, uh, we use the Psalms for each uh, Advent sermon as well. And actually next week we begin a series on the Psalms as well. So this kind of fits in nicely with that. And the main reason is this, that uh, this past summer I received a, a gift of sabbatical uh, from the session. It was a much needed time of rest and it was a time that uh, I was truly thankful for. Uh, during the time uh, of sabbatical I was able to enjoy uh, some time with family at home and on the road. Along with rest there was opportunities for me to read, uh, to pray and reflect on my life and the Lord's uh, goodness in leading throughout uh, the years that He has given me. And one of the best things uh, about the sabbatical was it also gave me an opportunity, a chance to uh, do some writing. Uh, I started writing a book uh, focusing on the word remember as found in Scripture. And uh, maybe one day I'll complete it. And I will, I will say this, that uh, I've definitely gained some respect for all the writers out there uh, in the process. Uh, but why the word remember? Why the word remember? I would say this, that remembering is important. And, and memories, right, they often shape our uh, perspective and feelings about certain subjects, uh, things that happen in life. We, we all remember uh, concerts that we've been to. Uh, we remember our first date uh, with our future spouse. We remember sporting events. Uh, I remember in, in 2006 being with uh, my friends in college. It was after college, but we all gathered. And Anthony Johnson running an interception back at Davis Wade Stadium at Mississippi State 100 yards as Mississippi State went on to beat Alabama. And it was the loudest the stadium uh, I've ever heard the stadium. We remember those things. Uh, we remember weddings. Uh, we remember funerals. And we often spend the Christmas holidays trying to create memories that we will not forget. I returned yesterday from spending Christmas at my mom's house in Mississippi. Two years ago, she requested that me and my two sisters and our families mark our calendars for Christmas 2019. We need to be here. We, I want everyone together. We did it. and We had a wonderful time enjoying visiting with one another. But one of my mom's stated goals was to create memories for the grandchildren. To have something that they would remember. So it makes sense in Scripture that God tells His people to remember. Uh, we are told in Scripture to remember to extol His work. We are told to remember how short our time is. We are told to remember the Lord upon our bed. We are told to remember and do all the Lord's commandments. Jesus tells us in regards to the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance 
of me. And in some way, by remembering, we are reflecting the image of the one who made us, the one who created us. Because we are told in Scripture that the Lord remembers things as well. That will be our focus this morning. God remembering. So let's turn our attention to Psalm 103. We read God's holy word. Now we'll read the entire psalm. The main focus of my sermon will be on verses 8 through 16. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 103, starting in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens and are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place is no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for Your love for us. Lord, we ask now that Your Spirit would come. Let the Spirit fill this place. Lord, I ask as we look at supernatural things that You Uh, by Your grace and by the power of Your Spirit, would give us ears to hear, that You would give us hearts to listen, O Lord, that You would speak through Your eternal Word, O Lord, that You would change us and make us more like Christ. Lord, I pray that during this time that I would decrease, and Lord, that You would increase, and Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. It's in the precious and mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So first, we see that the Lord remembers. 
the Lord remembers. It may cause confusion thinking of the Lord remembering. Doesn't God know everything? But when the Bible says God remembers, the original Hebrew word is zakar. And zakar does mean to remember, but it also means to bring someone to mind and then act upon that person's behalf. Again, the Hebrew idea of remembering always includes acting on behalf of the one brought to mind. That is why the psalmist in Psalm 106 verse 4 calls out, Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. The cry is not that God has forgotten that the psalmist exists. Rather, it is a cry for God to turn his attention toward the psalmist and rescue him from his situation. There are other biblical examples of God remembering that include acting on the other's behalf. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, we read that when God remembered Noah, he, God, made a wind blow over the earth, and then the waters subsided. God first turned his attention to Noah and then acted on Noah's behalf. When God remembered Rachel, God listened to her and opened her womb. Again, attention, then action. So in our text, what does the Lord remember? The second half of verse 14 says that God remembers that we are dust. Verse 14 takes us back to the creation account in Genesis. How were we made? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 tells us, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. We are dusty people. And dust is not known for its strength and solidity. If you're building a house, the foundation is not going to be dust. Dust is nothing but very fine and tiny particles that lie on the ground or float around in the air. As Pastor Mike reminded us in the special time uh, with young disciples, there's a good chance that many of you have dusted the furniture in your house before. It doesn't take much to get rid of it. It could be covering a nightstand, a bookshelf, a coffee table, and it's gone with a simple stroke of the rag. Think about that. That is what Adam was made out of. And this applies to us as well. The first part of verse 14 says, For he knows our frame. It alludes to God knowing how we were made. He knows us even better than we know ourselves and in a world and a culture that exalts the strong and the self-sufficient being called a dusty people may not sit well with many admitting frailty and weakness is not on the top of our list yet we are all one doctor's visit away One car accident away. 
once something just didn't feel right away from knowing this reality. This reality applies to the strongest and best athletes as well. They can be quickly uh, sidelined or even have their careers ended. It just takes one bone to break, one ligament to tear, one muscle to tear, one tendon to tear to quickly sideline any athlete. I'm fully aware of this reality. Not the best athlete part, but the injury part. Almost four years ago, I tore my ACL in my knee. And for those who do not know, it's a pretty serious knee injury. And it takes time to recover from. And the Lord, in His goodness and His grace, allowed me to play soccer for 36 years, basically injury-free. And He spared me the pain that many experience when they tear their ACL. But when it happened, I knew something was wrong. I went down quickly. And it would take over two years for me to play again. And yes, we would rather not talk about being frail, or perhaps we do forget, but we should take comfort because God remembers that we are dust. And if being called a dusty people is not humbling enough, verses 15 and 16, if you look down at your text, tell us that our days are like grass and that we flourish like flowers and we are gone. In Ecclesiastes, we read that life is a, vis, a, a vapor, a mist. No wonder David asked in Psalm 8, What is man that you are mindful of him? Why does God care about us? We are a dusty people. And our dustiness is not limited to the physical, but also it goes into the spiritual. Our sin and inability to do right or good is because of us being a dusty people. God demands obedience, but we are often disobedient. We are prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. We are sheep who have gone astray. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7, he says this. He said, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So how does God respond to us? The preceding verses show, show us two different ways. And first, as we begin to think about God's response and the Lord's character, let's think about our responses when someone does a wrong to us. When someone wrongs us, we could usually respond in one of two ways. Demand justice or give mercy. Driving on the interstate on the way back from Mississippi the last two days provided plenty of opportunities for this very thing. For every time I was cut off or the car in front of me was not going fast enough or a car would not move to the right lane so I could pass them on the left, I had a choice. Mercy or justice. 
I would like to say I was merciful every time, but Laura could tell you my grunts and sighs said otherwise. And it would be easy to think the Lord wanted nothing uh, to do with us and has, has very little patience with dusty people. And He could demand and give immediate justice. And I think it's important to say at this point, before I go any farther, and it, it must be said that we may we never forget that God is well within His rights to let us go our own way. To condemn every person. To be angry with us. And to give us justice. God has every right to do that. He is holy and we are not. He is the maker and we are the creature. But verse 10 tells the opposite of perhaps what we would expect. The Lord does not deal with us according to our sins. Instead, the Lord is merciful and gracious towards us, as verse 8 says, that he is, he is slow to anger, realizing and truly believing that we deserve only condemnation gives us new appre- appreciation when the Bible does describe God as merciful and gracious. The Lord bears with those who often provoke Him and does not give us the punishment that we deserve. And we must know the bad news about who we are as sinners before we can receive and truly appreciate the good news of the gospel. And if, if merciful and gracious and, and slow to anger, if those things sound familiar, there's a reason. Because David is taking us back to Exodus chapter 34. When Moses gets the brilliant idea of asking to see the glory, the face of the Lord. And the Lord's like, that's not a good plan. You do not need to do that. Moses was kind of insisted upon it. And the Lord tells Moses to go into the cleft of the rock. And the Lord says, I I will let my backside pass in front of you. So Moses goes in and the backside of the Lord passes by. And if you know the story right, Just the backside of the Lord alone caused Moses' face to light up like the 4th of July. So Moses, he stands in the cleft of the rock. The backside of the Lord passes before him and he uses the words that David did to describe the Lord. He says that the Lord is merciful and gracious, that he he is slow to anger. It is part of the Lord's character. It is who he is. God is plenteous in mercy. He is the very Father of mercies. Charles Spurgeon says, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make space too narrow than diminish the great mercy of God. We must never presume upon God's mercy, but daily need to remind ourselves of the Lord's mercy. So we won't forget. Every day, every hour, every minute, every breath is a gift from a merciful and gracious God. 
Showers of mercy come down from a God who has been infinitely wrong. But it's who He is. It's His character. God is not only merciful and gracious, but the Lord is also forgiving. God knows the frailty of our bodies and the folly of our souls, so He is compassionate towards His people. And that compassion is displayed through mercy, grace, and forgiveness. How forgiving is God? If you look at your text again, verse 12 tells us that as far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. The imagery is clear. The east and west are opposite directions. And they, ex- and they extend opposite directions as far as the eye can see. Why is God able to forgive our sin? Why is God able to remove our transgressions from us? We are, again, a dusty people. But the Lord does not simply sweep the dust under the rug and forget about our sin and pretend like it does not exist. Remember when we read in Scripture and talk about God remembering things, it is followed by action on that person's behalf. Remembering is followed by action on that person's behalf. How did God take action on our behalf? After remembering that we are dust. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us about another man. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 47. He says, The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. The first man that Paul talks about from earth, that was Adam. Again, as we've been told and seen, he was a man of dust. All of mankind is descended from the first Adam. All the sin and rebellion against our Creator is because we are all descendants of Adam. But the Lord in His goodness and His mercy... He's aware of our spiritual condition. He sent a second man. The first man was from the dust like Adam. But the second man, Paul says, he came from heaven so that we could be like him. The second man from heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus would live a perfect life of obedience to God the Father for us and pay the penalty for dusty people on the cross so that we can be reconciled to God. This is why God removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. There will never be charges against us. There will not be judgment against us. The sins of believers will be remembered no more. They will not be mentioned. They will not be thrown in our face if we repent and turn to Christ. God will thoroughly forgive them. And I don't know about you, but that is a great relief. Because I am fully aware of the sin that is in my heart. And the things that I have done. That the Lord and His goodness and His mercy will look upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And He will not look upon me. 
So if you're feeling ashamed, if you're feeling embarrassed, if you've done pretty terrible, heinous things, run to Christ. He is our hope and our salvation, and the Lord will remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. There is forgiveness, and it comes through Christ and Christ alone. We can count on this. Not only is there forgiveness, though, but God is establishing a new kingdom that will come to completion upon the return of Christ. And as we wait for His return, we are being made into His image. The Spirit is at work within us. 1 Corinthians 15.49 says, Just as we, we have been born the image of the man of dust, again referring to Adam, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We are being turned from dusty people into heavenly people. So however humbling it might seem, let us remember that there is great freedom in knowing that God remembers that we are dust. And let us look to Jesus and put our faith in Him, knowing that these dusty people one day will have heavenly bodies and will reign with the King of Heaven forever. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we are grateful for Your Word. Lord, thank You for the humbling reminders of Scripture. Lord, we praise You that You remember that we are dust and that You acted on our behalf. Thank You that You sent the man of heaven, Your Son, the Lord Jesus, to live and to die and to be raised for the people of God. Lord, what a gift. And Lord, I, I pray that you would continue to make us more like him. Help us become more and more aware of our sin and more aware of your forgiveness, of your mercy and grace. Lord, you are patient and you are kind and you are good. And Lord, we ask that you would lead us and guide us all our days. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.